Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're going to experience a second death blow to our self-righteousness. It started with the first one last week when our passage in Matthew chapter 5 forced us to ask the question, am I a murderer? We continue this week with verses 27 through 30 in chapter 5, and the question Jesus forces us to ask this week is, am I an adulterer? No doubt most in Jesus' audience would have immediately answered this question with, of course not. But that's because they understood the question differently than what Jesus meant by asking it. Similar to the murderer question, Jesus' point was that just because you may not have committed the actual sin, the state of your heart tells an entirely different story. And the question therefore demands a different answer than you might otherwise give. Here is today's segment of the sermon that asks the question, are you an adulterer? Look, there's, there's physical pleasure in fornication. Make no mistake about it. And, and, and your body can't tell whether you're married or not. So don't, don't fool yourself. But understand, there are little things like sexually transmitted, transmitted diseases, some of which are fleeting, embarrassing, disgusting consequences. Some of them are life sentences. And there's no appeal, by the way, when that happens. There are also emotional consequences. Sex is addictive. God designed it that way so there would be marital pleasure and procreation keep the human race alive. But outside of its intended realm, the addictive nature of sex is devastating. It's never good. And thirdly, there are relational consequences. Sex before marriage or sex outside of marriage is an engraved invitation for ghosts to visit your head. Don't invite them. Even when the ghosts aren't haunting you in um, your physical relationship, they'll attack your mind when you least expect it. Every partner that any person has beyond one complicates and dilutes the joy of sex as God intends it. Now, we're not talking about remarriage after the death of a spouse, remarriage after the disaster of a divorce when God puts things back together. But understand, those are, those are strong reasons for sexual purity. Now, let me give you the one that really matters. This is the test. This is the between the eyes one. The reason it really, the one that really matters is that it's God's will, and God's will is always the way of blessing. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. Obviously, there was a problem in the church in Thessalonica among believers, and Paul loved that church. It was a healthy place, but there was this problem of temptation, and Paul says this in First Thessalonians 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God. 
Now, you don't need to debate about that. You don't need to pray about that. You don't need to finesse that. When it says, this is the will of God, read what comes next. It is God's will. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That means holiness. That is, and he's specifically what he's talking about. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. And he used the word porneia, the one that applies to man, woman, young, old, heterosexual, homosexual, any sexual activity other than between a husband and a wife in a marriage. And you skip down to verse 7, he says this, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Now, if you want a verse to memorize, and I suggest you do it, and I, and I suggest that you pray that God would bring this up to you at any moment that you're toying with uh, an improper, lustful desire. Take this one. Consequently, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Did you catch that? That's addressed to a Christian. He can't say who gives His Holy Spirit to you, to anybody who isn't a believer and has the, the Holy Spirit. That's the real reason. You have to be able to say, God, thank you for loving me in Jesus, and I am going to rebel openly, specifically against what I know to be your will. That's what you're saying when you go down that path. Whether you're at the point of committing a physical act, or whether you're at the point of just toying with an idea. It's the same sin. It's only a matter of how loudly the volume is turned up. Now, so far, we've seen two illustrations. I asked you, are you a murderer? And the answer is, well, uh, yes, if you've ever dealt with anger. Are you an adulterer? Well, Yes, if you've ever entertained an impure thought. So I want you to get the general principle that's being taught here. And this is important because this is under direct assault in our world. It goes like this. If the act is sinful, then the desire for the act is also sinful. That's the point Jesus is making. Anger is the same sin as murder. Lust is the same sin as adultery. Now, there are lies abounding this today concerning what is sinful and what is not sinful. There's a lot of people in our world that just want to reject the idea of sinful. And now the, the, the boundary is, does it specifically harm someone else? And if it doesn't, it's good. Well... Uh, we can blow holes in that, but that's just the wrong way of, of thinking. But understand now, we have people who are saying, well, my particular bent for behavior, my orientation, well, I was born with it. Therefore, I would be rebelling against the will of God if I don't express going down the road of the path that I was born to go down. That's just rotten theology. It's great rationalization. In a sense, it's really brilliant in a 
twisted kind of a way to say that way because now I'm not responsible. And you have people, even well-meaning Christian people, who are, willing, who are willing to say, well, okay, maybe you were born that way. Maybe you do have a propensity that way. That's okay as long as you don't commit the act. Does that match what Jesus said? No. If an act is sinful, desiring that act is also sinful. But you won't get to the solution to that problem until you get to the core of your heart. And when you get to the core of your heart, you're going to get to the issue of sin at its root. And then you're going to understand the marvelous grace of God in Christ Jesus. That He died for our sins. And you can't stand up and say, I haven't broken any of the Big Ten this week, Lord. Look how perfectly righteous I am. He's going to say, well, what about your rotten heart? What about your pride in saying that you don't have a rotten heart? You understand? Christ died for sins. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. He took upon himself all of the wrath of God for all of those sins, even the ones I haven't gotten around to committing yet. He took them all on himself, took the penalty for all of it, so that I could become the righteousness of God in him. That's the surpassing righteousness that I need. Not spit-shining a little bit better than the guy down the street, realizing I come to him as beggarly poor, and I cry out to him in humble grace, broken by my sin, knowing he hates it, and knowing that he loves me so much that he took the penalty for me. Maybe you were born with a propensity for a, a certain sin. Hey, at a young age, I, I got really good at that anger one. You know, uh, stealing has never been all that, you know, big of a deal for me. I might think of it in a fleeting thought, but, oh man, I could, I, I was convinced I had the gift of arguing even when I was a young Christian. Uh, look, whatever your sin is, the real problem is in your heart. Call on the Lord to deal with it there. And if this is the day that you first recognize the totality of your sin problem, then this is the day to talk to one of us about what you can do about it, what God has already done for it in sending His Son. Are you an adulterer? Yeah. That means you need a Savior. And thank the Lord He sent us one. Let's pray. Father, how we thank You for the, the riches of Your grace. We, we stand in your grace. And I, Father, I keep, I keep marveling every time I realize that I need your grace just as desperately today as I did the day that I asked you to forgive my sins and become my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for that spectacular grace. Please don't let anyone go from this place not standing in your grace. And if, Father, if one of our friends here needs encouragement, needs help to figure out how to apply these things or maybe just to, to come to the Savior and to receive the free gift of eternal life. Please open the heart and provide the opportunity for that life-changing conversation. 
Have your way with each of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.